I could, I'll bring the mic downstairs, record that real fast, and then bring the mic back up. Go. See, just in the nick of time. If I hadn't saved it right then, I would have lost the entire episode. I know, it would have been sad. Welcome to the Career Table Podcast. This is Rob. And this is Kai. On this episode, we're going to be talking about writer-director M. Night Shyamalan's latest film, The Visit, as well as doing a little bit of a retrospective on his career to date. So just to get things started, Kai, what uh, anything you've been watching lately, movie-wise? Um, noth- nothing that uh, outside of what I'm watching with you. I mean, I know that I saw, the last movie I saw in the movie theater was The Gift. I saw that a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and that was pretty good. And though this is my second horror movie now with The Visit that I saw in a row, which is great for me because I don't like horror movies really at all. So yeah, it's funny. And um, you almost didn't you almost didn't want to go see this with me in the first place at all. I, you, I feel like I sort of had to quasi guilt trip you to come with me, but not really. No, it I was feel your like I idea. Myself. It was your idea. You're like I can go with you, and I will. I was kind of did a double take and. Uh, Sort of like, really? Do you do you really want to do that? Because that your whole point was that looks scary. You're going by yourself, right? And I think for me, I didn't want you to go. I didn't want you to go alone because you go to movies by yourself sometimes. Well, the reviews. occupational hazard. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I wanted. Um, I guess I was thinking like, oh, we can see a horror movie together in the movie theater, and if it gets scary, then the armrest can go up and we'll snuggle. Aww. You know, it's not like it's going to hurt me or anything. Um, so you have n- nothing you've been watching other than The Gift, but you recommend The Gift? I do. I do recommend The Gift. There's Very a, good film. There's a review, of course, of that on CrookedTable.com under the review section up top. Um, I've been watching several different things. The other day I saw Into the Woods, uh, the musical the, uh, based on the Stephen Sondheim play uh, starring Meryl Streep and Anna Kendrick and Emily Blunt and a bunch of other people. That was interesting. Um Sort of, it did kind of feel like a, a little bit like a musical Once Upon a Time in that it mashed up a bunch of different fairy tale storylines and such. But it, but it was interesting. It was worth watching, especially if you're into that kind of thing, which I know you're not. It depends. Which is why I, which is why I watched it by myself. <laughs> and, uh, but really, the thing I've been watching recently that I would really recommend is uh, an indie comedy called Dear White People. Um, actually, that should be featured on Wednesday's montage post, uh, along with Into the Woods. And I gave that four out of five, a little bit of a sneak peek there. That, that's a really smart, uh, it's a really smart satire about race relations and sort of that part time in your early 20s where you're trying to figure out who you are and your place in the world. And, you know, do you fit how society, you know, perceives, you know, that you should be and all that stuff. So that was an interesting film that I'll, I'll probably uh, share with you at some point, Kai, and that listeners should check out because uh, highly recommended by The Crooked Table. Going into the visit, I guess, were you were you really scared with that? Was it was it as creepy as you imagined it would be in your head before you went to see it? Um, there were scenes that were creepy, but then there were other parts that I was genuinely bored. Isn't that kind of a lot of horror movies though? I feel like that's a lot of Paranormal Activity. I was bored through most of that, and that's and that's an apt comparison, especially since The Visit is essentially a found footage movie. Which it's funny I didn't realize that until like a couple of days before it came out when we went to see it, that I was reading reviews about, oh, M. Night Shyamalan's new found footage horror movie, The Visit. And I was like, wait, that's found footage? I didn't even, how come I didn't notice that by the trailers? Did you? And I didn't notice that until I went in to see the movie. Oh, so you didn't know it was found <laughs> No, footage. I did not. Okay, so, okay, so what specifically, I guess, okay, we'll back it up. We'll do the M. Night Shyamalan conversation first, get that out of the way, and then we'll talk about The Visit. Obviously, the next 
step of his career. So going into this, what was your what was your opinion of M Night Shyamalan as a filmmaker and uh, you know his his resume to date, uh, so to speak? Because as as you know, and most of our listeners I'm sure know, his last few films specifically, but I mean I feel like this is something that has been kind of following him since pretty soon after The Sixth Sense, just with you know him being sort of a one trick pony and always with the last minute you know plot twists and uh, a lot more atmosphere and less substance in his work so going in you know which which of his films had you seen beforehand what were you sort of expecting uh, the only movies i've seen i mean i have not seen a night Shyamalan movie since unbreakable which i saw in the movie theater and i loved unbreakable um it was it was one of those films that just left me very unsettled and um i saw it with a group of friends and all all of us were like oh wow this was a really good film and i actually didn't see the sixth sense i don't think i saw the sixth sense until dvd maybe like a year after it came out on dvd um i sorry so i don't think i actually knew the twist per se because i typically don't ever know what's going on with movies to begin with but um it was i mean i think that both those two films were really good the sixth sense to me in my opinion was personally overhyped I think that it's it was talked way too much about and not enough attention was paid to Unbreakable, which I still think is a really good film. I haven't seen anything else since then, and I haven't heard any good things. I heard signs from other people was kind of lame. Um, the Happening is now like a joke about how bad that movie is and ridiculous. And um, I think, and actually I was telling this to Rob the other day, that I feel like M. Night Shyamalan thinks he's a lot deeper than he really is. Like he has this this deep purpose in the movies that he writes about and he like wants to come at it from like an intellectual standpoint but then it just falls flat and it doesn't the movies don't do what he intellectually thought they were going to do to the audience so he just i just think he thinks he's a bigger deal than he is fair enough um yeah i uh i saw six cents on dvd i saw unbreakable in theaters uh signs in theaters and the village in theaters and then i think i caught lady in the water on you know on dvd and that was i i wasn't i i liked uh six cents all right i wasn't a huge fan because i mean it had like like you said it was talked about so much to the point that your expectations were unrealistically high when you actually saw the film i do think it is well made and well acted and all that if there hadn't been such ludicrously high expectations going into it um you know since i didn't see it right away i probably would have liked it more but I, unbreakable i still think is his best film and uh, it's funny because in the last few years, I feel like that movie has sort of become a cult favorite. Like, I feel like there is a small faction of people that really love that movie. And, and he keeps talking about, you know, having ideas for a for a sequel or like envisioning that as part of a trilogy and that kind of thing. So I, I think now the way superhero movies are as big as they are, which wasn't the case with when Unbreakable came out. I mean, this is like. I think it came out maybe a few months after the first X-Men movie. So this was really before Marvel was a major player in film. Um, and it was his own idea, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's based on a script that he wrote. Um, it's not based on any pre-existing comic book property or anything like that. I feel like to have him come out with a potential sequel to that, whether, I mean, the idea is, the idea is does he have a take on it that's fresh enough that could sort of be make it worth revisiting? But I think... If anybody right now has something interesting to say in that genre, I think he could pro- probably bring that. And uh, anyway, with Unbreakable, was a bit, I was a big fan of that. And then The Village and Signs, not as much. And by the time I got to Lady, Water, Lady in the Water, I was just like, okay, no, yeah, no, this is not. Uh, um, this is, I wasn't feeling that at all. In fact, I was, 
I thought it was kind of a mess uh, narratively. And, and like you were saying, he aspires a film to be something and then it doesn't really get there. Like it doesn't all come together and you can see what he wants, what he's trying for it to be, but it just doesn't work. And that's how, and that's how a lot of his movies fall flat for me. And uh, yeah, because of all the things I'd heard about the happening and Last Airbender. And the way you make fun of it, I'm like, oh, have you not seen this movie before? And you keep saying you haven't, but you know so much. Which one? The Happening? Yeah. Oh, well, you've seen the Honest Trailers and things like that. I mean, that's that's all you really need to see to be like, okay, yeah, this looks dumb. Yeah. Uh, plus, I, I, my parents saw it and, you know, they were telling me about what the movie ha- what happened. they like it? I think they did. I think they bought into that it's oh. scary and all that. I don't, I don't know. We know who M. Night Shyamalan is. He is the Dean Koontz of directors. Of, like, of movie writers. And well, what, what I mean what by mean? that, okay, that was about is that I used to read a lot of Dean Kuhn's books. He was one of my favorite authors because this man, he would build up the climax so much where I could not stop reading the book. And it was just, I mean, where this book, where the story was going to go, I did not know. That rhymed. And it just was building up and building up. And then by the time the climax happened, it was underwhelming, it was boring, and I was disappointed. But then I kept reading, kept, kept reading the books till I got to a point. I said, this guy, he just doesn't know how to, in, you know, have a climactic ending. And M. Night Shyamalan, I feel, is the same way. He builds it up and he has all these great ideas. And then it just, it falls flat. So he's the Dean Koontz of movie writers. Did you think um, with Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, since those are the only ones that you've seen, and those are probably, I mean, two of his, I would say those are probably his two most appreciated movies now at this point. I feel like Signs was a huge hit when it came out, but I think it hasn't really stood the test of time very well. Um, do you think in, that in those movies that the climaxes were well, you know, well uh, developed and and surprising, or do you think that the that in those cases that even even in those cases which are considered probably his best work, do you think it's still symptomatic of that same issue? Um, not with not with Unbreakable. Um, when the twist happened in Unbreakable, I actually was not expecting that. I thought it was a really great. Climax. Um, the Sixth Sense. Um, I kind of actually didn't know what happened <laughs> when the ending happened. I had um, I was watching with someone else, and I had asked. I said, "What? What just happened? I don't understand." So I had to have it explained to me because I didn't understand the end of the movie. Not, that's my own bad. Were, yeah, were you not paying attention because they? Maybe I was that. bored. I don't know, but I didn't know that 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 was the ending like i didn't i didn't understand that he was oh wow as a spoiler guys i mean come on it's been 16 years oh, yeah, he no. he was dead and only Haley joel osmond's character could see him and they do i mean he does enough to try and establish that that makes sense upon repeat viewings but yeah i don't know that one's a little weird for me it because because the whole time you know he's hanging around the little boy and he's not you don't ever see him talk to the mom and that kind of thing so it's like even if bruce willis is dead spoilers i guess i mean you know, like she's like kai said um, how in his mind, if he doesn't know he's dead, how does he think he's getting access to this kid? He didn't talk to the mom. He didn't. You know what I mean? It's like the, he doesn't realize I'm hanging around my wife and she's never acknowledging me for like days, weeks on end. He doesn't think, hey, maybe something was going on. I don't know. It was weird. The whole way that like you have to take a lot of leaps in order for that to make sense. Yeah. From, from a character perspective. You yeah. Know? It would have been nice if they didn't skip ahead. To the next year, like it would, it would have been nice if they built it up a little bit more and explained, you know, how he met the kid and like how what ended up happening in the in the marriage with his wife that he would make him think that she didn't want to talk to him anymore. Yeah, exactly. I mean, mean, yeah, some of that's there, but I don't feel like it's developed enough. And like I said, you have to really, you have to really take a great 
really have to suspend your disbelief like crazy. Be like, all right, so maybe he's been dead for months and just never noticed that. Hey, I want I want to go down to the you know freaking McDonald's and get a burger, but hey, nobody's like paying attention to me. Why? You know what I mean? I don't know. That's that. That's but didn't they explain dubious. it though? Didn't the kid say they don't know they're dead? Yeah, well, she, he doesn't know he's dead. But how do you not realize? Hey, something's up. How do you not get suspicious of that if no one around you is paying attention to you? Yeah. I mean, if we if no one's paying attention to him in the scenes that we see him in the movie, that makes sense because the circumstances sort of excuse a lot of that. But presumably, this guy exists and he's out there floating around as a ghost in moments other than the ones we see. So how does that really work? You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially when he starts hanging out with this kid and this kid can see dead people. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't he be like, yeah, I'm dead too because this kid is the only person that can see me and talks to me. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. yeah we went this, is a, a, this is not a six sense podcast. Yeah. So uh, whereas in Unbreakable, I feel like the twist actually explained a lot and actually, and in a lot of ways had this made the story make more sense retroactively like, once that big twist is revealed, and I, I won't spoil that because that's actually a movie I don't want to spoil for people. Um, once that twist is revealed, it sort of makes you go back and reevaluate the film from the beginning. Be like, oh, so that's why this, this, and this, and that's how this person heard about this person. Oh, like, it all makes more sense rather than being like, wait, what? How did that happen? You know? Right. Um, so, anyway. That's so. That's where you're coming from, and that's that's kind of where I thought it, I felt like it's really important to sort of establish a baseline of our feelings on M Night Shyamalan going in, and um, you know before we really sat down to watch the visit. And I'd heard good things about it beforehand, the new move, the new film. Um, so I was hopeful that it would sort of mar- mark a return to form for for Shyamalan. So finally getting to that. So the movie stars Olivia Dijon and Ed Oxenbold as a pair of teens and they're going off to stay with their grandparents for a week while you know their mom who's who's hanging um has a new boyfriend she's like goes on a trip with him on a cruise um the whole family's basically still healing from the father you know walking out on them that kind of thing from years prior so that's the setup and they go so they go to hang to meet their meet their grandparents that the mother's estranged from and sort of reconnect with them and of course, since it's a found footage movie, the conceit here is that the daughter is making a documentary film about her family and about, you know, their history and that kind of thing. So, what just to break it down, what was your overall thoughts on the film and then we'll sort of hone in as we go along. Um I know when you asked me after the movie what my rating was, I think your my my rating was a little too high because I don't know how to I don't rate movies for a living like this guy does. So I rated a little too high. Um, some parts of the film bored me. Like I just, like a lot of scenes during the day, I'm just like, okay, all right, this is whatever. I actually stepped out for a few minutes and um, I don't really think I missed that much. Well, you did though, because I had to explain to you at the end of the movie, oh, you missed this part, which set oh. up this thing at the end, remember? Yeah. Because so in the climax of the movie, you were like, wait, why, why is this character just doing this? Yeah, who knew I actually missed something? Um, and I think I think the grandmother is absolutely creepy looking. Like I, when I think about when I think about grandparents, I don't picture these two people. You know, like and I, I guess guess that was good casting because like I think of grandparents. You know, grandparents that have grandchildren, not just old people. You know, but grandparents, I think of them as being like a little bit more cuddly, a little bit more put together, a little bit more personable, even if they're grouchy. But the grandmother, she was just so frail and like 
she just she just looked like a crazy person to me in this film and she was she was definitely she definitely creeped me out uh. well i mean part of that is just the movie's playing off of the idea that old people become odd and they you know they develop mental disorders or you know they can't control their bowels or you know they start to get a little weird and their mind starts to go so part of part of that the movie is just playing off of younger people's sort of assumptions about what old people are like and that's what i thought was so brilliant about the setup of the movie it's it's that you don't for most of them for almost the entire running time you don't know if these two you know the grandparents if they're insane if they're you know murderous if they have split personalities or if they're just random regular old people who are well-intentioned but you know have old people problems that they're dealing with right yeah so i think that that was good how and my Shyamalan set it up but i guess i feel like i expected more like more scary from the trailer than i got from the actual film right well i mean part of horror movies i feel like just play devil's advocate for a minute is you can't just have all scary because then it loses its impact. And then that like hide and seek scene wouldn't be scary because you would have just seen something two seconds ago that was supposed to be scary also. So it's it's sort of... Um, and plus not only that, in this film specifically, there's a whole family drama going on that provides a framework for the interactions with the grandparents that you have to establish outside of all the creepy moments. So you have to establish that the kid, that the boy has, you know, fear of germs or that the daughter has these unresolved issues with looking in the mirror or dealing with her, her father, her father's abandonment of them and, and all that stuff. So that when that climax happens, it, you know, everybody's able to, you know, grow and learn from an experience and sort of progress from, from it basically. Um, So I felt, I wasn't, I didn't feel like a lot of that was there. I mean, it's also developing a mystery surrounding the grandparents you can't just you can't just have that come right out of you know right out the gate and be like here this is what the situation is because then why are you watching the movie so everything is going to be sort of vague for most of it and if it's well paced it it's it kind of gradually is information is doled out in you know small doses throughout the running time so did you feel i guess the question here is did you feel like did you feel like it wasn't steadily building did you feel like there was a period in the film where the mystery sort of plateaued and they were just sort of hanging out randomly not necessarily, but I feel like the the real scary stuff with the grandparents didn't even hap- start to happen until they were about to leave. Right. Like, I feel like the buildup for that, that was way too quick. The pacing didn't make sense. So it was slow build, slow build, slow build, and then, holy shit, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, fair. That's, that's a fair point. Because it was the last two days they were there where things really got weird. Well, that's when weird. They, they got really suspicious about... You know what was going on with the grandparents and all of that. So, what did you, how did you feel about their performances? You were saying that the grandmother was played by an actress named Deanna Dunigan, uh, who was actually from Texas, which makes sense. Isn't it supposed to be in where are they supposed to be? I think in they're in New York, upstate New York. Right, is that where it is? Because it even says at the end of the I end credits, "I love New York." Filming. Oh, uh, maybe, something. maybe. And or maybe, or maybe, really cold. maybe it wasn't set on location. Maybe they filmed it in New York, but it was set elsewhere. I don't remember. But one thing she said that the grandmother said that I thought was interesting. It was a good. Maybe a good indicator of where they were. She said skosh. Oh, really? I feel like that's a Canadian word. Oh, maybe. Yeah, she's just a skosh. Oh, really? Is it? I haven't heard that very much. Yeah. Isn't that like smidge, sort of? Like, yeah. Like a smidge of this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did say that about something. I don't remember I was like, what. Like, wait, is this filmed in Canada? Like, are they supposed to be set? Because it was, it looked freaking cold over yeah, there. Yeah, it was really cold. And in they there. were in like a rural area. In the film. Well, of course, as uh, as in most horror movies, they're on a farm, sort of like in the middle of nowhere, that kind of thing. 
um, to really, you know, set up the isolation of the situation that the characters are in. So how did you feel about the performances from, you know, the grandparents, from the kids, from, I guess, Catherine Hahn, who was in it, like, sporadically as the mom, um, usually via Skype. I thought she was really good, considering she's mostly a comedic actress. Yeah. In here. Yeah, I think I think all the actors did a good job. I really liked I really liked the kids. They were they were really cute. Um, Tyler Tyler's adorable um, with his rapping and the grandmother. Oh my gosh, she freaked me out. Like, uh, like the re- picture that you have on the review. Oh my gosh, that's she's <laughs> just she 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 did really good at playing creepy, crazy. Eccentric. I mean, the thing is, too, it's like some of those moments, like towards the end, where they're playing Yahtzee and she sort of jumps in front of where the camera is, you know, because of course the main character, the young girl, is filming it. And they're just fine being filmed all the time. I thought that was a plot hole. Yeah, we'll get there in a second. Um, but she, like, they're playing Yahtzee and she just randomly jumps in front of the camera, and is like Yahtzee. It's like, is that creepy, or is it only creepy because of the context of where the kids are coming from? It's only creepy because we see all the other stuff that they've been doing. But if you randomly take that. At face value, it's not necessarily creepy. It's a very she's very enthusiastic because she's playing a board game with her grandkids. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's the good. That's that's a lot of the good points of this film. Some of the bad stuff, I agree with you as far as some of the stuff not being necessarily slow, but not really not really progressing as much. Like I feel like some of the daytime scenes were just sort of similar in nature, and it's like, oh, how come grandma does this? How come grandpa does this? And then an explanation is you presented and they sort of be like okay i guess that's fine and it wasn't and it's just kind of going in circles a little bit with some of the some of the unraveling of what's really going on i guess um and also the whole found footage thing it feel like it's been done to death and it, it i mean it, it sort of fit the thematic elements here with the kids and like um you know the unresolved issues within that family unit but i didn't think Shyamalan necessarily did anything particularly innovative with it so it's I don't know. I, I good. Well, the thing is, I, I was just thinking that when I think about found footage, I'm thinking because, you know, somebody else found it. It's not nobody else found it. It was their own. It was their own uh, videotapes. Well, you were seeing it as as they were filming it, I guess. Yeah, so that's not really found. Yeah, footage. but some it's movies just, do that too. What movies? Um, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of found footage. Because movies, all but... found footage movies had something bad happen in the end of the movie to the main characters in the film, and then you. Like Paranormal Activity, it was found footage because the the guy, spoiler, he dies, and the girl, she everybody dies in those movies, don't yeah. they? I mean, I yeah, and then the, the, the girl became movie. a demon and ran away, and that's found footage. Cloverfield, same thing. Yeah, Cloverfield is probably, and Cloverfield's probably one of the ones that I would hold of the found footage movies that I've seen. That's probably one of the ones that I enjoyed the best because um, I thought that did do something interesting and presented a new. A new uh, a new look on a genre that we've seen a million times, like the giant monster movie. And I feel like this one, it's like a horror movie with found footage. Wow, how innovative! Um, that's I mean that's kind of the most common application of that style. But things like Cloverfield, things like Chronicle, I thought brought something a little different to the table. Um, so uh, just from that from that perspective, I had to take take some points off of it. So going into, you wanted, to, you wanted to talk about the ending. You started to get there. So spoilers now from this point on. Uh, let me see where we're at. We're about 24 minutes in. I'll mark that in the show notes. Spoilers for the ending. It's revealed the end of the film when the grandmother parents are freaking them out. And they have the mom on Skype. And she's like, you guys listen to me. Those aren't your grandparents. What went through your mind and when she said that? And she didn't even panic that? when she said that. She's like, kids, those aren't your grandparents. 
bring me a pop up and and they're like I think she was more confused than anything. She's like, wait a minute, what? And, yeah. then, and then when she followed it yeah, up with, then she when she followed it up with, have you guys been staying with these people the whole time? That's when she was she was losing her mind. Like, yeah. oh my god, calling the cops like while she was on Skype with them. Yeah. So what was your what was your reaction when she said that? Did you see that coming, or were you kind of like, holy fuck, mind blown? Um, I feel like it was kind of like I didn't see that coming, but I should have because I I recall that they did that in the trailer that she said those aren't your grandparents. But I guess the way they set up in the trailer is that it could have just been, those aren't your grandparents because your grandparents are old now and there are different people now because of the fact that they're older and they're and they're getting sick. Yeah, I kind of want to go back and watch the trailer now to see if they did reveal that in there because that's that's kind of a key line that does spoil the end of the movie. So to put that in the marketing would be kind of, or, or maybe they meant to put it in the marketing on purpose so so that people aren't going in expecting a huge twist. You know what I mean? Instead, like like you were saying, a lot of his twists, have been sort of disappointing and underwhelming. So maybe they wanted to kind of let the cat out of the bag a little, right out the gate, and be like, okay, they're not the parents, grandparents. Don't don't freak out when you have a twist on your ass and we switch things around. So yeah, I sort of thought about that halfway through the movie. I was kind of thinking, I'm like, what the fuck? What if these aren't their grandparents? What if this is just a random house? Because remember, we never saw any pictures with the grandparents and the mom. And and I told you one clue that I noticed is when they're when the daughter is asking the grandma about her mom, she's like, "Oh, I don't want to talk about." And she, was, she refers to her daughter as her in her full name, which would seem odd to me. Like if I if you ask if you ask my mom about me, she's like, "I don't want to talk about my son. I don't want to talk about him. Or I don't want to talk about you know Robbie or whatever." She they she wouldn't say, "I don't want to talk about Robert Janis Jr." That's like saying, "I don't want to talk about Abraham Lincoln." You know, there's a level of separation with that wording that kind of raised a red flag on my on my end. I was kind of like, wait, what? That's a little strange. But she was also... She's a little strange. Yeah. Well, she's, she's a little strange in general, but still. Little things like that. Knowing that Shyamalan is meticulous a lot of times with that kind of thing. I, yeah, I sort of, I sort of, I sort of thought that I had an idea about where it might be going. So when it happened, I was like, I fucking knew it! <laughs> well, I think that it's also, the, the plot hole I was just speaking about and i'll go into further about it is so if these people because basically the other spoiler is that they cleared they killed their grandparents so well not the kids these people the the, the people in the house the old people in the house killed the actual grandparents yes so they killed the actual grandparents and i'm just thinking myself well if they were i mean it's a good thing that they're crazy because and they're old because why if if they killed people then why are they okay with having cameras in their face the whole time? Which I guess that's why the grandmother tried to destroy her computer with oven cleaner, I guess. Maybe that was intentional. Yeah, I think it probably was intentional. But it just, I was like, why are they okay with this? Because now they're documenting everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, I mean, they ended up getting killed in the end anyway. So it's not like they could go to prison. But it's like, I wonder if they even would. Because they're old and they have well, health the, issues the, and they're in the psychiatric hospital. Yeah, the whole point was throughout the movie they're establishing that that the their actual grandparents volunteer at this at this place and they never tell you what the place is until the end when the da- when the daughter finds like the stuff in the basement and it's like oh maple whatever you know psychiatric hospital. She I don't think they ever explain what that place is. Right. If it's I mean I think they may, I think they imply that it's a nursing home. Oh, well, what about right? Stacy? Well, yeah, there's that. But I'm saying was she crazy? Stacy could have been crazy. Stacy could have been crazy. She, she or left or a in some loopy. kind of rehab thing or something. Yeah. Something was wrong with her but eyes. I, yeah. I think we're supposed to think she was in some form of rehab. It was like a rehab hospital or maybe or something like that. Because that's the other thing. When she sees them, she's like, what the fuck? And she's all panicked. And you don't know why until you look outside and you see her hanging from the tree. 
Um, but the big reveal is that the, the people are not the grandparents, and they're actually psychiatric patients from the nearby hospital where the grandparents volunteered. I guess that they heard that the grandparents were that the grandkids were coming, and so they essentially t- stole their identity. Um, so yeah, that was uh, I don't know. I, I as, as much as I sort of guessed a little bit at that, it didn't really spoil it for me. Like I thought it was a mostly satisfying ending, and I, I'm like I like the way that it resolved itself. And the part that I was talking about where you were like, what the hell's going on? And then I had to explain that you missed it when you walked out is that the kid tells a story about um, he when he was when he was like eight years old and I'm talking about the young boy and uh, he froze up during a football game and um, just that he like got stuck in the moment, like paralyzed with fear, that kind of thing. And then later on towards the end of the movie, the grandfather essentially has like holding him there, torturing him or whatever. And you were wondering, why isn't he fighting back? Why is he just standing there? And I, and I noticed that it was a callback to earlier in the film. So um, did that make a lot more sense yes, after exactly. that? Okay. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I, mean, I wonder how bad the the sister felt when she left him by himself. And she didn't mean to. Yeah, though, but she? she was trying to go, you know, investigate and see, see what was going on. But I don't think she realized what was going to happen to him. And what happened to him with the grandmother? He was, like, on the floor. Oh, when she's like that? Yeah, I, I wonder if he got knocked out. The podcast. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if she if he got knocked out from her by her or by the or by the grandfather. Yeah, you don't know. You I mean you see he has a bruise on his head, so somebody knocked him out, presumably. I mean, I would think the grandfather maybe because she seems to be more. I mean, he seems to be more like of sound mind and body and like more uh, together. Like, I but mean, I wonder only, what was wrong with him. He had incontinence. Uh, we know that. That's why he's hiding the diapers. Yeah, but and oh, but oh, but then his brain would go because he would. He he would get Alzheimer's or something. Yeah, but she was like a freaking nutcase. Sundowning. Holy crap! And that was the original title of the movie, which is a little <laughs> little trivia anecdote for for listeners. But uh, I guess in closing, what would you recommend this movie? Do you think? Do you think? Okay, two questions. One: Would you recommend this movie to people that thought the trailers looked interesting, or fans of the genre and that kind of thing? And two, do you think this will signal like a little bit of an upswing in Shyamalan's career, or do you think this is an anomaly and he's going to go back to making big budget crap? Because this movie cost about five million reportedly, and compared to the last couple of his that cost 100, 130, 150 around there, like they were both very costly after Earth and uh, Last Airbender. So, do you think you know one and two of the answers for the for those questions? What do you think? Um, would I recommend? Would I recommend the visit? Yes, I would. Um, it's a you know it's a kind of a Kind of like a fun, a fun type horror movie, and it's it's not too it's not too scary, and I'm and I'm saying this, and I'm scared of that stuff, um, but I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna be as scary as some of the things like the new movie coming out, Krampus, and oh, all Kramp- that. Krampus. Is it Krampus? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Krampus. Oh, well, it's a it's a C R A M P U S. So it's either and the lady in the in the trailer says Krampus because I guess it's because of the German right, or, okay. origin. Um, but yeah, no, that looks awesome. Yeah. I'm excited about that. I'll re- be reviewing that in December. Um, so I think I, for that, yeah, I would recommend it. You know, it's, it's, it's not gr- and great. I mean, I thought Paranormal Activity actually was scarier to me, but, um. Yeah, but Paranormal Activity was b- boring for like 70 minutes and then the last like 10, 15 minutes I was like, okay, now it's, now it's interesting. And then it's over and I'm like, okay, what the fuck? So I mean, you know how you, you were bored with parts of this. I was bored with parts of that. I'm like, oh, wow, the door is moving slightly. And wow, that's really terrifying. Somebody was there, it. man. Somebody was there. Um, and the second question was, is this going to be an upswing? Do you think it's a sign of good things to come? Or do you think you're, he's going to go right back to making crap? I To be positive, I hope that he will continue to maybe make lower budget films and he's learned his lesson and that 
Maybe Ivan Shalin has a lot of potential, and he is a good screenwriter. He just has some, has some things that he has to work on regarding climax. But I think that yeah, I think maybe he might be making better movies. He's had a lot to learn from. I, I was tempted to make a sex joke about you saying that this man needs to learn more about climax, but we'll skip over that. Um, I actually think he's a better director than he is a screenwriter. I've said this for years to friends and such. I think he needs to learn to let someone else write his movies. I think he needs to let somebody else be the screenwriter for a change and focus on directing because he's got a very... I mean, this movie, he didn't do that much interesting with the found footage style, but like a lot of his films are very well shot, very interesting like cinematography and, and atmosphere and that kind of thing. And the weak point is almost always on the story. The weak point for me is almost always on story. The village and Lady in the Water and and uh, you know why well, didn't well the signs I guess all looked really great and made no freaking sense by the end. You're like what the hell? This is it. This is oh this is supposed to tease this big reveal at the end. Really no swing uh, what is it? Swing away George and I told you in signs the thing with the baseball bat and how that plays into the end of that movie. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Didn't that sound kind of goofy when I told you it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big twist in that movie. It's a big reveal. So that kind of thing. It's just like my recommendation to him is put down the pen, get behind the camera, let someone else write an amazing screenplay, and then direct the shit out of it. And and I think that'll help you out. Meanwhile, you know, you're welcome, Shyamalan, to uh, to work on the Unbreakable sequel script in your back pocket because I, I do think he can pull that together and make something interesting there. Get those two guys back in that movie. Well, what about, did you want to say something about him working with the the Jason Blum, Blumhouse? Oh, yeah. This one, yeah. Jason Blum, I don't know. Yeah, Jason Blum, yeah. Uh, Jason Blum of Blumhouse Productions actually um, picked up on The Visit, and they're, for those of you that don't know, they're behind pretty much every hit horror movie you've seen in the last 10 years. Paranormal Activity, The Purge, Insidious, all of those. They even have, I think their next one is the uh, Eli Roth Green Inferno movie. So I think maybe, maybe, um... That collaboration between Shyamalan and, and Blum also yielded a lot of positive positive results. But um, but yeah, I think uh, I, I recommend people go see it. Um, don't don't get your expectations too high. It's ultimately just like a fun little horror movie because it doesn't really. It also doesn't really take itself too seriously, which is which is a lot of times I think a good thing in horror movies. You have a little bit of a tension relief in between scary sequences. So anything else to say? Call, nope, that's it. it. All right. Well, uh, that'll be it for this uh, this episode of the Crooked Table Podcast. You can reach me at Crooked Table on Twitter. And you can reach me, Kai Yanis, at the Vault Key LLC on Twitter. Of course, go online at crookedtable.com and read our review of the visit, as well as other you know reviews, features, um, and upcoming podcast episodes. Uh, subscribe to the show in iTunes and uh, give us a review. We're totally open to any feedback you have, things you want to hear us talk about, or, uh, you know, any anything you want to tell us, good or bad, we're we're open to it. I got th- I have thick skin. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so uh, until next time, this is Rob and this is Kai, and uh, see you guys next time. Roll credits. I think we found a podcast. Mark, are you trying to take over my podcast again? What? No. Don't you have a terrible Michael Bay movie to make or something? Truck free. So put the crack up. Yeah, whatever. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of the little KED.